0: Jeffrey Mark here with Hitting the Mark. Today, Patty Duke and the Patty Duke Show. Come join us.
1: I wanted to um, just bring up a couple of things that caught my eye, if I may. Um, There's a couple of people that had recurring roles in the show that I found very interesting. Um, One of them was David Doyle, played Mr. Harrison in three episodes in 1964-65. Went on to play Bosley and, um, you know,
0: in yeah, Charlie's Angels,
1: correct? Yes. Yeah, and uh, Kathy Garver, who I've interviewed before, was uh, Monica Robinson in three episodes of the last season, um, which was kind of cool because I thought she was a good actress. Played, uh, you know, she was made sissy on um, Family Affair, Family right. Affair, yeah.
0: And Kathy and I have been friends for years. The last season, like I said, was very different, very different focus different kinds of stories. And and like I said, a lot less about Kathy. David Doyle was brought on, um, not that actor specifically, but the idea that Richard has a father. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because to give you some reason why he is the way he is, to flesh the character out. And it, it, it almost worked. If they would have allowed Richard to... Be a little wiser, a little more mature, better stories. But they kept him dumb because the natural story arc would then be the two of them getting married. And they did not want Patty and Kathy to get that old. They didn't want them married. They didn't want them. It would have ruined the premise of the show. So they had to dumb him down. Just like Kathy is this brilliant, brilliant girl in various episodes. I mean, princes are asking her to marry them. They had to keep her innocent. They had to keep her wide-eyed so that there'd be a contrast with Patty.
1: Yeah. they. Um, I, I didn't realize it, but it dawned on me that she was of Scottish descent, but her accent really wasn't that Scottish.
0: They argued about that in the beginning right they did not want to give kathy a specific ethnicity so the backstory is that kathy's father like patty's father was also a newspaper man and that kathy's father is patty's father's twin brother Mm -hmm. that's why That's that's why the cousins look so much alike because the two fathers are twins Impossible, but it was plausible. and that Kathy had lived all over the world. That's why the, the theme song lyrics. Here's Kathy who's lived most everywhere, from Zanzibar to Berkeley Square. Barclay Square. Yeah. Scotland was the last place she had been in. So Anna's decision as an actor was to give her a nondescript European accent. Kind of British, kind of Scottish kind of Irish, kind of continental, but not specifically any one thing. That's what Anna thought would have happened to that girl. If she'd lived in She sounded in so
1: English places. to me.
0: I'm sorry, Cindy? She sounded
1: English to me.
0: That was the point. She sounded a little bit differently to everybody. Yeah. You couldn't exactly pinpoint her. So a very wise acting choice. Anna was a genius. The talent just oozed out of her. She instinctively knew things that a lot of actors spend thousands of dollars to learn from acting teachers. She had it. And uh, sometimes that kind of genius comes with mental illness. Trust me, I know. Uh, So that uh, it's why the show is so good. I, I really think the show rests on Patty, Anna, Anna's talent, and Bill Shallert. Bill Shallert was the heart of the show. He brought the heart, he brought the love, he brought the everything will be all right, because that's the kind of guy Bill is or was. Um, It's a funny thing, I got to know Bill later in life. We became friends when I was writing my first book about Lucille Ball, because Bill had been a guest star on the Lucy show several times we'd hang out. He'd come to my house. And he told me they're doing this Patty Duke reunion movie, the Patty Duke show reunion movie. And I said, really, what are they doing with it? He said, Jeff, you will not believe the stupidity of this story. And he told me the plot. And I said, oh, how sad. It's like taking the absolute worst parts of the original series and making a TV movie about them. Uh, it was shot on a dime. It was shot in Canada. They didn't bother recreating the original set, although they insisted it was the original house. The premise just didn't work. Like nobody thought twice about it. I said, Bill, the Patty Duke reunion movie should be that the one everyone thought was stable is the one who's unstable. Kathy should have a nervous breakdown, and Patty. Should be the one to help get her through it. And Bill said, that's brilliant. That's the way it should be. I'm taking this to the producers. And the next time he came over, he said, your, your premise is too smart for them. It's too sophisticated for them. They don't have a writer who can write it. And he said, yes, Jeffrey, I know you could write it, but you're not known as a television screenwriter. At least I wasn't back then. Um He said, I wish they would shoot yours thing because the thing they're shooting with me is just dreadful. He said, don't even bother watching it. And it's a shame because they could have done something wonderful because Anna had gotten emotionally stable by that point. They were treating her being bipolar. She was happily married. Her kids were growing up and they could have done something wonderful with it and they didn't. Oh, well.
1: Yeah. There's one other thing that, I, I need a little background on. There was a Southern Belle I named Betsy that pa- Anna also played that nobody really talks about. It.
0: That nobody really talks about it should tell you why. They thought, well, if two girls are funny, let's have three because they were running out of ideas. If, if a show is half casting, 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 the other half of it is writing, writing, writing. And they kind of wrote themselves into a corner. You know, Popo is, 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 uh, was it an editor of a newspaper? They live in a mansion. Her mother doesn't lift a finger. Sometimes there were whole episodes where Jean Byron doesn't even stand up. She's just sitting around looking pretty and, and making luncheons. And uh, you, you never saw her with a dust rag or a broom or anything. Um, everybody's happy, everybody's well. There's no conflict really other than that the two girls who share a bedroom are so different. I'll give you five seconds to think of 32 episodes to do about that. Eh, Time's up. That was the problem with the show also is that the premise itself was so laden down that there was no place to go unless one of them got married or had it been 10 years later, one of them got pregnant or, you know, allow them to age, show them going to college, uh, show how the girls mature. And this is all happening right in the middle of the Beatles thing. Uh, The show goes on in September of 63. President Kennedy is assassinated in November. The Beatles come and, February to the Ed Sullivan show. There was plenty to write about, but they didn't do it. They had some rock and roll people on. They had some young uh, 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 beefcake actors that the teenage girls could squeal about. They did do that. Uh, They did have Anna sing. They did have Anna dance a couple of times in shows. Those were more enjoyable, but the characters never evolve. Patty and Kathy and Ross, they're the same people at the end of season three that they are at the beginning of season one. There's no change. There's no development. Even I Love Lucy developed the characters over six seasons. You know, Ricky does better. Ricky owns a club. Or they buy a house. They go to Europe. This just kind of sat there. And I don't know if it happened because... Bill was not there helping them out, and Peter was out of his mind. And Sydney was now all involved in I Dream a Genie, where he was putting all of his energies because Sydney wrote almost every episode of I Dream a Genie using pseudonyms, which is a topic for another episode of our show. The people, the, the, the wonderful creative people who put the show together, were not there anymore, except for the cast. And I think it, it kind of went adrift. One thing I
1: enjoyed most about it was the theme song.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know where we're going with this. So in 1992, I guess it was, Johnny Carson leaves The Tonight Show and Jay Leno takes over. And no one wanted to be on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. No one wanted to be associated with what they thought could be a flop, which is why someone like myself got booked because I was willing to go on. And uh, I sang. I sang the theme song of the Patty Duke show with Bradford Marsalis and the band. Huh. And uh, I know that I always forget the name. Cindy knows the name of the guy I'm talking about. The um, action star who was on that episode with me and Al Franken. So, so I was on first because of the music and then Al Franken and then this guy, and I dislike this man so much. It's why I have a mental block on his name. It took yeah, looked weeks it up and I can't remember. It. He's no, he's no longer a big star, so it, it doesn't really matter. It but wasn't was, Chuck
1: Norris. No. It wasn't yeah, none of those. I can't remember who you said it was.
0: For the purposes of our story, I was there. That's the important part. So I got to sing the theme song, and so you know, so the best part of the show is that theme song. Uh, it's beautifully written by Sid Raymond and uh, orchestrated beautifully. And the, the singers were almost doing a vocalese on it. I mean, you, it's almost reminiscent of the Manhattan Transfer or Lambert Hendricks on Ross, how they did the theme song. And it told the story. It set the show up beautifully. It's probably uh, more remembered than the actual episodes. You go almost anywhere where there is somebody over the age of 40. And you start to sing the the themes; they'll sing along with you. Everybody, Mm -hmm. young people who are listening, sorry, go on YouTube and look it up because it's it's a wonderful, catchy theme.
1: The um, the song was called "Cousins," but it was performed by the Skipjacks, if I'm not mistaken.
0: It, It was performed on the show by studio singers who did lots of theme songs and commercials. They were. Uh, the, the woman's voice, she flexes her notes up and down a lot. Uh, that was a, a, a thing of hers. Uh, and you can hear it in, in theme song after theme song and commercial after commercial. And somebody complained about it. When they re-recorded the theme song for the third season, she's not doing it anymore. They said, just sing my notes the way they're written. Uh, I, I know there was an album released of music from, and I don't know, if it's I, I've not heard the album. Ray has all this wonderful old vinyl <laughs> well, stuff. He's got everything. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is it is
1: interesting. Um, it was uh, Sandy Stewart, Marilyn Jackson, and Dick Williams, along with uh, Kevin Gavin, where they uh, did the first season.
0: Sandy Stewart went on to have quite a career of her own. For Crow while there, she was a solid opening act in Las Vegas. Uh, she appeared on the Perry Como show. She she was making a name for herself, partly because she did so well on that recording. So I don't know if the people on the CD are the same people who actually did the television. There were a lot of, in the 1960s, a lot of LPs released about shows, like the Flintstones had a few of them. But they weren't the exact same recordings that were on the TV show. They were re-recorded with different arrangements, sometimes with different singers, different voices. Not having heard it, I cannot attest that what you got in your hands, sir, is the same sound as the television series. But uh, I believe it is,
1: but but I I can't be
0: certain, but I think it is. But good on you for having it because you own something I don't.
1: I am, I'm a huge fan of collecting TV albums. And uh, The Jetsons, I could tell you, is authentic. But The Flintstones, as you mentioned, it is, it is true that they're not all the original voices. But Alan Reed is on a couple of them that I have.
0: An interesting side note. I know we're getting a little short on time now. But The Flintstones released an album in the first season of their show. And the original theme song was Rise and Shine, a whole different thing than what we think of. Meet wow. the flint Meet the Flintstones was a song written for the album, which had a second chorus of Rubbles, Meet the Rubbles, they're the other Stone Age family. And they when the show went to color and they redid the opening, they took that song and recorded it. And I'm not entirely certain it's not Sandy doing that one too. Because it's got that same little trill in the voice that the Patty Duke show has.
1: Yeah. 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 It's very, very possible. Yeah. She had a great voice. Um,
0: But, but overall,
1: I mean, you know, as a young kid watching the show, um, not only when it first came out, but in syndication, when I was a little bit older, I, I never would have felt that there was a, you know, a rift between the, you know, people on the show. I never would have felt that.
0: I just really enjoyed the way it was. The show was professionally done. You had great talent there. Every show has a story. Every show has backstage stories. Everybody, every, every show is an embryo that, 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 that goes into being heated on. And the, the, the egg cracks open and there you have a show. And all of that always has a story. It's just that the, the Patty Duke show's stories are so sad because it paid Anna to be on the show. It pained Bill Asher to be on the show. It pained Sidney Sheldon to be on the show. It pained Peter Lawford. All of these people who put it together were having, forgive a Yiddish word, such surus in their personal lives. And no, it does not show on the screen. But I think it's it's a major shame that Bill had to walk away from it, that Sidney eventually had to walk away from it, that Anna had such bad memories of being on it, that Peter never recovered from the loss. Bill Asher really said to me that he really felt that Peter kind of lost his will to live. Uh, His marriage to, to the president's sister floundered. His relationship with his children was never very, very good. So even many years later, after the Patty Duke reunion show, I wrote a book about Ethel Merman. And Chris... Peter's son wrote a book about Peter and they came out around the same time and Chris and I began to do publicity together because we were booked together. In fact, we were booked to come in here to Palm Springs. Neither of us lived here but we were booked into the Palm Springs book fair together. No longer exists, which is a shame. And we did a live show where we took questions and answers from the audience and Happily for Chris, I know all this background of the show because Chris himself was so stoned on something. I don't know what. I didn't see him using anything, but he couldn't answer the questions. He couldn't follow the questions. So we did, you know, I did one question. He did one question. And I ended up doing all the answers for both because he just couldn't do it. And he thanked me for it afterwards and Bill Asher was there in the audience, uh, to support both of us. So you, in, in my life, the Patty Duke show looms large. And then there's, you know, the part where my buddy Desi Arnaz Jr. Was deeply in love with Anna when he was very young. And that's, that's Desi's story to tell that he was in love is well known. I'm not going to discuss the details and that, uh, you know, Sean and a son. Mm -hmm. No one knew who his father exactly was. Rudy. Well, but he grew up thinking that it was Desi. So Desi and Sean had a father and son relationship, irrespective of who the sperm donor actually was. Uh, Because I sat with Desi and, They talk on the phone together like father and son. So that much I can attest to. The love was there like there is love with me and my stepdaughter and my grandchildren. Even though the blood isn't there, the love is there. So for all of these reasons, the Patty Duke show looms large in Jeffrey Mark's life. More than just, I also grew up watching this show. These people are in my home. And uh, I'm happy to share those memories with you.
1: I thoroughly enjoyed it, Um, the Patty Duke show. And hopefully, you know, we've added some enjoyment to our listeners out there because we've talked about things that I'm sure many shows have kind of glossed over. We went, you know, deep, we peeled back the onion and we talked about stuff that a lot of people don't know, even those that like television. So I think it was a very interesting show and I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Mm -hmm. It is my pleasure. This has been so much fun. I'm so glad. I I love to play with Ray and Cindy and talk about these wonderful people. Next time, not a show, but a man, a close friend of mine, the king of the Las Vegas Strip. Next time, we'll be talking about my friend, Jack Carter. Until then, God bless and have a happy.